it's Loom Group's Andrea Lay, Backview's Melissa Burdick, the wizard of Woodland Hills Shree, and I'm PVSB from Flywheel, a division of Omnicom, and I'm coming to you today from the Catskills. Be playing Heckinger's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 6th, and it's time for the Fresh Four, for curated news stories from the past week. We find them dependably intriguing. We hope you do too. We're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence news, retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Over to you, Shree. In case you're wondering what this background is, I'm at, I'm at my father-in-law's house all the way in Chennai, India for the next couple of weeks. So what's the message of the week? Kroger Precision Marketing strikes a partnership with none other than Yahoo DSP. So Yahoo DSP advertisers now have access to KPM's audiences for both reach and measurement. Partnership marks KPM's second DSP partnership since last fall and ushers in a new focus on commerce media for Yahoo advertising in particular. Collaborations like this one will define the next phase of growth in retail media as retailers recognize the limitations of monetization on their own digital properties and seek incremental growth by expanding offsite. This is said by Sara Marzano, principal analyst at eMarketer. For advertisers, the delayed but still impending deprecation of third-party cookies, which is now on its way, continues to underpin every decision regarding digital advertising dollars. So solutions that safeguard their investments against that hold increasing appeal. Over to you, Andrea. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. Walmart adds a new grocery line to its private brand's portfolio. Walmart has announced a new private label grocery brand called Better Goods. The line includes 300 items spanning categories such as frozen, dairy, snacks, beverages, pasta, soups, coffee, and chocolate. With most items priced under $5, Better Goods focuses on three key components, culinary experiences, plant-based, and made without. The retailer said Better Goods marks not only its largest private food brand launch in two decades, but also its fastest grocery brand brought to market. Over to you, Melissa. Thanks, Andrea. Uh, so, Savemark companies roll out in-store retail media networks. It's not enough that we have online. Now we're moving to in-store retail media networks. The Savemark companies plans to roll out in-store connect, an in-store retail media network powered by Quad Graphics Inc. To start, 16 of the grocery company stores will have digital screens, kiosks, end caps, shelf screens, and vertical banners throughout, allowing CPG partners to showcase promotions, product information, and recommendations to shoppers. The program will eventually roll out to all the Savemark companies, approximately 200 stores. This is Savemark's latest retail media effort, coming almost a year after a launch of its own retail media network. Over to you, Peter. Thanks, Melissa. Rite Aid expands Uber Eats' partnership for alcohol delivery in eight states. Nearly 1,000 Rite Aid stores will now offer alcohol delivery via retailers' expanded partnership with Uber Eats. Customers of legal drinking aid can get delivery from select stores in California, Idaho, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Oregon, Virginia, and Washington. Quote, our collaboration and trusted partnership with Uber Eats underscores our commitment to meet the evolving needs of our customers and providing a seamless digital shopping experience complements their busy lives, unquote, said Jeannie Walden, Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Rite Aid, the U.S.'s third largest pharmacy retailer. That's it for the Fresh Four. Now on to the CPG Guys episode that you've downloaded. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our hosts, Sri Raj Kapalan, 
Peter V.S. Bond, and Brian Gildenberg explore how brands and retailers engage consumers in an increasingly digitally driven world. And now, here are the CPG guys. This is PBSB, and I am coming to you from Barcelona, Spain, where this year's Shop Talk Europe conference is taking place this week. I flew over on the weekend, spent some time with my dear friend Daniel Torres Wire, who's part of the FMCG guys. He's based here in Barcelona. Took me to some great restaurants, did some shopping. In fact, I was at a uh, uh, Spanish pottery store yesterday. Uh, I was uh, FaceTiming my wife so that she could <laughs> peruse the store and tell me what it was that I was going to procure. So it's been a pretty productive time. But um, we took a little break from the show, and we're across the street at the hotel I'm staying at. And I am very honored to be joined today by Justin Hahnemann. Justin is the head of go-to-market strategy for retail and CVG operations at Amazon Web Services. Justin, how you doing? <laughs> it's great to be here with you. How about that? I got your entire title. Didn't read it off a cue card. I even tried to show you my badge. No, no, no. I know what I know what you do. I know what you do. You're a legend, and and he is also the host of his very own podcast. That's right. So we'll talk a little bit about that during our conversation. Sounds good. But thanks for joining us and taking some time away from the show. I've been looking forward to this for like weeks. We've been talking about this for a while. I know we have. Since since we're in Vegas, this is really great. All right, so let's start with just first and foremost. Tell us about your role at AWS. What what does someone who is responsible for CPG and retail operations do? How do you support these ecosystems through AWS? Sure. So, um, yeah, thank you again for for the invite. So, I lead worldwide retail and consumer goods go to market. Yep. And that's we've got a worldwide team that consists of individuals that came out of the industry. Yeah. Whether on the retail side or the CPG side, you know many of them. Yep. Um, they partner. We, our main job is partnering with our customers. So on the retail side, it could be a, a big retailer like a Best Buy or uh, Neiman Marcus or Saks, right? And on yep. the consumer goods side, it could be you know companies like Heineken um, or Kellogg's, right? So yep. understanding those customers and then working back from those customers to say, we understand what your challenges are. Now, what can we bring yep. at AWS? What can our partners bring or what can broader Amazon bring? So when you think about accelerating like the innovation agenda, which as you know, is like on fire right now in Mm -hmm. retail and consumer goods, like you think about what Amazon can bring, it goes, Mm -hmm. it's not only with AWS, but more broadly, like the portfolio of companies or brands that Amazon um, has to offer. Yeah. It's really impressive to think about the breadth of services and capabilities, be it, you know, aside from the Amazon ad component and the DSP, Amazon Marketing Cloud, we talk about that a lot. But just bringing, bringing to bear all the capabilities, I think about um, one of the most, I remember seeing a research paper that was written a couple of years before the pandemic by a professor at Northwestern and a partner of his who was at MIT. And they had, they had hypothesized that you can get as much knowledge uh, out of just curating the reviews written on Amazon as you could by engaging in a highly expensive and highly drawn out focus group process that doesn't give you nearly as many as input points. And they 
analyzed six categories, and what they found was um, 97% of the topics that came through in a focus group you could have gotten by just <laughs> curating through the Amazon Reef. So you have a you have a, such a powerful asset. So that's really exciting. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is to have conversations with these brands and um, and be able to lay out for them what's possible. You yep. know what I mean? And most yep. of the time, when I especially when I talk to a big group, I'm like, how many of you know Amazon.com? All hands go up. Yep. How many of you know AWS? Some hands go up if you're in IT. And in between, there's these different businesses you may or may not know are part of you know Amazon. Right. And so if you think about a retailer or a consumer goods brand, they may need to leverage or could leverage six, seven, eight different parts of Amazon yeah. to help accelerate their innovation agenda. So um, it's exciting. And there, as you know, it could not be a better time to be in retail and consumer oh, goods. Oh, my goodness. It is on fire right now. And yeah. all, on all metrics, not just supply chain, but like in experience to sales and marketing to supply chain. I think at the end of the day, the customer experience is ultimately what drives the success. If the customer isn't at the center of your innovation strategy and your go-to-market, you're really missing the boat. If you try to force fit a product that you've created onto a consumer, you you and the money you invested in trying to build that brand will soon be parted and you won't see a lot of return for it. But if you start with the customer, you listen to how customers talk to you. You invest in things like the Vine program to to precede your products before they even get to shelf so that you understand what whether this is going to resonate with that particular consumer group, you're going to be much more successful at your innovation. So I, I absolutely agree with you that that's a, that's a powerful capability. Yeah, and that is right at the center of like our culture, customer yep. obsession. Mm-hmm. And, and 90% of like the investment that Amazon makes into new capabilities is thinking about where the customer is going to go next. Mm-hmm. And the other 10% is like, okay, we're taking in input in terms of what the customer customer needs. And so if you think about like just this year, um, we've supply chain still important yeah. for retailers and CPG brands, no doubt. But I mean, the first six, seven months of the year have really been a huge shift into experience. So yeah. whether it be in store, um, online, um, or, or in between, yeah. right with B2B. And it's just been such an interesting thing to see, uh, you know, last year was all about supply chain, logistics, distribution, you know, uh, out of stocks this year still important maybe a, a step down or yeah. two and now everybody's like hey what can we do to open stores how do we expand stores how do we make a better experience in stores mm-hmm. and they're thinking about the end customer yeah how do they make like an incredible experience so when you work with brands of different sizes let's talk about a contender brand versus a scale brand now I mean, that's my lead in piece <laughs> to his podcast <laughs> and i said so what are the kind of can you give us a flavor oh for the kind of needs they come to you with saying how can sure. aws support a scaled brand's objectives versus a direct consumer that's really just emerging on the amazon platform so for those that don't know why i laughed when he said contender brands my wife and i smarted started a small consumer products company like um, that, where we make card games and a ring cleaner called Contender Brands. There you go. Contender Brands. There you go. <laughs> launched there you go. a podcast like yes. five years ago, and that podcast centers on entrepreneurs. Right. That's our that's right. our niche. Right. Okay. All that aside. So at AWS, so major brands or retailers come to Amazon and AWS for a couple of things. First of all, they're looking to to modernize their technology stack. Okay. So they're digitizing the, the entire, not just the CX on the website, it's the entire right. supply chain. Because in order to find the flexibility in new supply chain capabilities or new e-commerce capabilities or new digital capabilities, you've yep. got to 
move to a place where you have the flexibility to do that. Yeah. And when you have four, and that's a real challenge. If you have 14 ERP systems that are all on-premise and they don't talk to one another, that's a really hard thing to like do something with and make it flexible. So yeah. um, it's an interesting challenge depending on the size of the customer and where they came from. But, okay, okay so the reason that customers um, come to us is, is that would be one. A, a second is helping to accelerate the experience strategy. Yeah. So like, how do we do a better job of engaging customers online or in store? How do we put new immersive experiences in store? How do we take the friction out of the checkout process? Ah. And then here's an even better one. Like data and analytics has been around a long time, but it is now uh, back front and center even more than ever because you've got all this different data on customers. And it's like, how do you make sense of it quickly? And you can do that in cloud capabilities that you could never do before and then do analytics on top. And now even the last couple of months, of course, all the talk about AI and all of a sudden you have some new tools in your tool set to get into data faster and maybe some insights faster. Yeah. It's hard to believe. But I, I mean, think, the, I think up till, booming. I think to, up till last year in, there was a, there was a sense that there was all these data sets that manufacturers just couldn't, couldn't manage. They couldn't get to it. They couldn't make sense of it. And I think with generative AI suddenly and cloud-based computing, suddenly this desire is is something that you can activate against. So you're able to bring this to reality and you're to take all these disparate data sets, do so in a privacy compliant way. That's another big word that I hear that I'd love to hear you talk about. Great Because everybody's like, I want to do it, but I don't want to run afoul of the now, what, 11 states in the United States that have got (laughs) privacy laws that are commensurate with CCPA, the California Consumer Protection Act. And let's not even even talk about GDPR here in, in in, in, in the EU. It's all about, I want these data sets, but you know, Brian talks about our podcast co-host, Brian Gildenberg talks about it as it's like uh, a boys and girls dance at an Amish school where it's highly chaperoned. The boys are on one side, the girls on the other. And for a specified period of time, they come together, they dance, highly prescribed, you know, it's, and that's what, that's to agree what like a clean room is like. And you've got sure. all these cloud oh, capabilities. Clean room. That's a, another big, another big buzzword. So yeah. I'm, I'm like, oh, Talking about that, love your perspective oh on any and all of these things. Okay. So my background, for those that don't know, 10 years at Coca-Cola, a couple years at Georgia Pacific, yep. and then on the tech side, or consulting side, Accenture, Teradata, et cetera. Okay. Yeah. The challenge, and, and those that are listening, if you are in big CBG, you know, you're running on spreadsheets. Oh, my God. You're Isn't everybody still running Excel spreadsheets? So as much as AI sounds exciting you still have the problem of getting a single view of customer, which is the retailer, and then rolling up reports to run your business every week. Yep. Full stop. Like, well, yeah. everyone listening should be nodding. They all, they're like nodding. They're like, the, the ditto heads are all here. Yeah. It's yes. like, as much as I want to do AI, I'm still got, I'm, I'm kind of weighed down by my legacy. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. the challenge there is you still, like I mentioned earlier, like at Georgia Pacific, we had what, 12 to 14 different ERP systems. So yep. trying to combine that together. And then I was getting point of sale data in from retailers yep. then i'm overlaying that with syndicated data from like a nielsen right yeah uh, you know, that is that if you just stop right there that is a still a complex problem yeah okay now it's made a bit easier because the data platforms are much more readily available yes okay? yep. so and the analytics are better and also the people are yes. better that have the skill sets okay so let's put that over on the side okay so period ai ai is not new nope it has been around for uh, many years. What has in, in areas like recommendation engines, like sure. personalization, like chatbots, etc. It's about being a workforce multiplier, right? right? It's just it's machine learned 
total. Execution. And machine learning, like the big space we play in, right? Um, all of the noise and excitement the last couple of months has been around large language models yes. like ChatGPT. Yeah. And those models. I think I've are, heard that a couple of times on stage <laughs> right. at conferences. I feel later. like you are now. It is you are cool if you mention. You that have in your to throw it out. You have to throw it out. It's, it's, a like, it's de rigueur. You got to do laughing. it. I was laughing a couple weeks ago. I was like, okay, watch the few, the conferences for the remainder of this year. All of the sessions are going to have AI now. Of course they the are. Title. Of course they are. Slap <laughs> anyway, it in there. Okay, here's it's just the like a La Quinta commercial. <laughs> Synergistic transformation. <laughs> oh Use the big words. It's exciting and it's real. Okay, this is yeah. not um, a, just a buzzword or excitement. It is real. And so we were talking before we hit record about just some very simple use cases, um, right? We were talking about, yeah. for example, if I list a new product on Amazon, like asking the model to give me what would be five or six questions a customer would ask. And it comes back in seconds with yeah. near perfect answer. Okay, so there's a lot of really good use cases now, but we are early days. Yeah. and. It's so interesting. Every day I spend time with brands on the retail and consumer goods side. You have, and I was sharing this with you earlier too, you have some that are all in. Like they've got people assigned to it. They've got use cases already defined. They're like asking us for help like on the, like to do um, test and learn. Yeah. A couple week projects. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. I mean, like that's fast. And then the other end, like we'll meet with an entire leadership team to explain to them what is... AI and chat eyes glass and large language models and so we and great we've got a really good story for that it's just so fascinating to see the spectrum of where different companies are and it is going to be I believe this is Justin talking a game changer and I think it's in ways that we still don't realize you know in the past it was always my belief that a CEO didn't need to understand the complexities of, of some of these new capabilities they just needed to have people around them I'm less convinced of that now. I think in this day and age, if you can't articulate what generative AI is, what what machine learning will do for your business and how it can permeate your organization, your competitors will and they're going to beat you because if you if it's not part of your DNA, your ability to invest and deploy resources and capabilities to support that is not going to be as nimble. Totally. I totally agree. I think we've there's been a lot of progress made around digital understanding. We'll just call it that yep. at the leadership level yep. of most brands, which has been real positive. Yeah. Um, what we found the the companies that we work with that are successful, not just in AI, but just in in technical and digital transformation, the, the leadership team is aligned yep. and they understand and they yep. got it as a part of their vision. Yeah. They typically have someone that owns it or some ones that own parts of it yeah. and they have a detailed plan against it. And then they're measuring progress against it towards the, you know, how are they improving the customer experience? Right. right. Without that, I don't hear that enough. You know, that, okay. that last component progress against a customer experience. I think that gets overlooked. They're looking at what my ROAS is, what my iROAS is. They're not thinking, am I, because ultimately I, I equate the improving the customer experience to the to the to the holy grail of measurement, which is absolutely, which is cu- customer lifetime value. Yes. So yeah. you you said it earlier. If you're customer obsessed, shouldn't you care about that first? Yes. And everything else I just explained in terms of how should follow. Yeah. If we want to improve the online experience, 
then the leadership team gets aligned around it. Someone owns it, and there's a plan to achieve it. Yeah. If I want to improve my store experience, there's a lot of a lot happening in retail stores right now. In fact, growing, expanding yeah. stores. Okay, I want to expand and, and grow my stores. I want to make it a unique experience. Okay, the leadership team is aligned against it. There's someone that owns it. There's a plan against it. There's budget put around it right now, measuring the the impact. What are the results yep. from a customer perspective? So I think that's what I've seen. The ones that are successful have some type of model like that. It sounds very simplistic, and it's not, you know, when you get in the nuts and bolts, it's not so simple. But where there's not alignment on the leadership team, where someone owns the project but not not supported by the leadership team, it fails. Or yeah, I think it's a lot of swirls. I think on the CPG side, I think a lot of companies are traditionally focused on, does this mean I need a new org structure? And right. my response is, maybe you do, but what you really need more than that is a process. And you need to bring to the table everybody who's involved in it. If you have a process, like it doesn't matter who whose budget is funding certain things. It, mat- it matters that that there's some central control around. That's what I say about retail media all the time. It doesn't matter whether the budget's coming from the trade or the brand. You need some central coordination with everybody involved to understand what their role is. That's what's going to drive the most output. And I've got to imagine that's the same for the kind of stuff that you deal with in supporting these these brands. It is. And I, back to your question earlier around do leaders need to understand you know, technology? And I, I'd say 100%. If they want, yeah. if they want to attract... Um, the, the sharpest and, and brightest and m- most interested in innovation talent out there. Yeah. Because if you're going to focus on you know, old school methods, you're going to attract old school thinking. Yeah. I'm just, you know, it's a simple thing. You know, it's funny. I go to the Cagney conference every year down in, in uh, they just would return to being live down in Boca Raton this year. And last year it was virtual. And I asked the CEO of Procter and Gamble a question and they're used to getting these questions about factory productivity in <laughs> right. Bulgaria and and exchange rates. And I came out with how is how is the increasing demand on investment against retail media affecting how you're shifting your marketing budget? And you know, he clearly looked like a deer caught in headlights and no offense to him. I, I, he probably wasn't expecting that. He doesn't get those at these kind of conferences. I wasn't an analyst, but um, and he quickly transformed the question into what he wanted to answer, which is fine. But this year he came and he, it was front and center and he nailed it. Didn't even wait for, for someone like me in the audience to ask it. But then there are other manufacturers that just sit there and I, one in particular, I won't make mention of them by name. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows who they are. But, <laughs> and they're probably listening. And they're probably listening. No, they weren't because the problem is, is that for the last three years, they did not mention the words digital, omnichannel, or e-commerce wow. at once on a slide or in mentioned word. Wow. And I, I do not know how you can be a scaled consumer product, fast-moving consumer goods brand, and not recognize. Like, I don't think that for a food product, you need to be as digitally savvy as a L'Oreal right. for a cosmetic where there is a, there is, the customer experience is critical. But if you can't talk about that in front of analysts to talk about where you're taking this company. Right. I, I don't know that you should be talking in front of analysts. <laughs> That's just my POV. No, um, no I, I think in topics like retail media networks are front and center. It's not, that's, an, that's another one. It's, yeah. it's, it seems like buzzword bingo with that and immersive and frictionless and, yes. and AI, but like it's real and it it's going to be a win for the retailer and a win for the CBG brand and a win for you and I. Um, 
and for some of these topics, though, they may not have been front and center yet with some of the leadership. But yeah. Yeah. I, I think as as they as these um, ideas and concepts grow, you'll see that built more into yeah. their vernacular. Yeah. So um, so tell us what you're doing at the show here. What's what's intriguing you? What are you hoping to get out of being at Shop Talk here? So a couple things. So the reason to come to this and other industry. Um, programming is to be around your customers, right? You can be, you can spend time with multiple customers. You can engage with them in an environment that's not like a meeting in a conference room or on a Zoom call, for example. And so you really get the real dialogue. And what I think Shop Talk, especially, you know, does well with Shop Talk, Shop Talk Grocery Shop, et cetera. um, They do an incredible job with their meetups. Yeah. These are the one-to-one sessions for those that may not know that they've, they've launched it at Shop Talk. I mean, it was thousands. I want it to say was, thousands, I, right? and, and those who listen to the podcast also know that I was suffering from plantar fasciitis <laughs> during Shop Talk in Vegas. And I'm looking at the number of tables, and I'm looking at and I'm going from, like, table 45 to table <laughs> 1743 back to table number 28. And I'm like, oh, I am not going to be able to walk after this. It I was mean, crazy. I left there. I wrote a blog about it, actually, yeah. um, that next week because I was so impressed by the the fact that somebody came up with this idea. They executed it in the matching technology perfectly. Yeah. And then in the, in the moment of the event, seeing all these people in this massive room, it was unbelievable. And everyone was talking about it. And And it was, it worked. People, it moved, they had it all orchestrated and it was democratizing the experience. It's the first trade show where like, so anyone who's been to the shop talk grocery shop understands that this format has been in place. There's a hosted meeting program. There is a pay for play there that has to do with getting high quality retailer and brands present, but this was opened up to everyone. And I still had great recruiters. I met with brands. I met with, I met with retailers. I met with service providers. Same. I got so many high quality meetings. I could not believe it. I was complete. And, and this was all part of the deal. I think it made every other trade show in our space take up, sit up and take notice and say, the old days of sitting in a room for 20 minutes with 30 people on either side of the table trying to get something done is gone. And these little speed dates of one-on-one, you come prepared. Everyone who met with me came prepared knowing what they wanted exactly. to talk about. Yep. And I found that to be incredibly productive yeah a very high ROI that so I already I mean their events already were kind of a, a level above other retail yeah, events I won't cut they can yeah. make, talk about any others but um, and then when they added this it was like oh my god amazing and they already have incredible content like their yeah. speaker content is always great and all that but like the meetups I think is big so okay back to your question so yeah. You get a chance to meet with and engage with industry leaders um, in an environment that's more flexible and open and more of a dialogue than a sales pitch and all that. Okay. And the second thing is, you know, in terms of building our brand, we want our customers to know, hey, we're in the industry, we're investing, we're we're leading in the industry organizations, we're helping set standards with the other industry organizations. Right. And so and and how do we help accelerate the innovation agenda of retailers and brands? We need to be able to talk about that. Right. And you can do that in a number of ways. But at these types of events you get to, you know, have an opportunity to really share that. Yeah, it's really great. So uh what are you hoping uh comes out of this? Um well so I I always learn something one of these events and then I will go back and and bring that back to our team uh, for those that aren't here yep Um, also 
I know I've already got some follow-ups from the mediums I had. I know. I've had three meetings and I've got three, three solid follow-ups. A bunch of notes. Um, and so I'd say it's continuing to, um, accelerate our momentum in the industry. Okay. We've got really good industry momentum across the organization. So in retail and CPG. So how do we continue to, to, kind of fuel that right yeah. and at the yeah. same time get in front of what our customers need next remember being customer obsessed means we got to be hearing and seeing and feeling and yep. understanding what they're going to need not today but down the road so exactly. a lot of um, the insights here go into our uh, innovation funnel we'll call it so i hear you're a podcaster too fancy yourself <laughs> you fancy yeah. you've got you've got the you know as 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 uh, shri says to me peter you have a face made for podcasting. that's hilarious i don't know but tell me about yours yeah and so what you do uh, the container so we launched it five and a half years ago. We're close to 600 episodes. Oh my God! You're like we you dwarf, you dwarf us in comparison. Well, it's not about quantity, right? It's quality, right? Yeah, so yeah, sure. What's really cool though is the all of my guests, the vast majority of the guests are founders. Yeah. Of new food and beverage or other CPG brands. So right. Uh, occasionally, I've had on other um, major CPG you know colleagues. I'll say, but really the focus is around that kind of the startup to yeah. middle or early stage. So for example, if you know, like just iced tea, which was just launched with Seth Goldman, sure. you know, he's been on actually twice now. Um, sweet Lorenz or it's a cookie dough company um, right. just on fire right now. Um, um, undercover snacks. It's sure. another, you know, these are the types of brands that we spotlight and bring on and it gives the, it's a, it's a win-win, right? So I, I'm passionate about the industry they get a spotlight on their yeah. brand. They get some publicity from it and whatnot. So it's been a lot of fun. Well, in the digital liner notes of this podcast episode, we're going to have hyperlinks to your LinkedIn profile and to your podcast awesome. page, uh, including Apple Podcasts, which I can imagine is the the, the <laughs> yeah. largest. Uh, the it's largest definitely the largest. Probably yeah, for same you too, it seems yeah. like it's the major listening base. It there. is. It so. is. It's, it's, it's like in e-commerce. There's Amazon and then there's, <laughs> there's the rest, right? So True. in any event, um, Justin, I want to thank you for taking some time out of the show to, thank you, man. to, it's been so to great. shoot the, the topics with us has been really great and looking forward to following what you're doing in the industry. And you're, you always have an invitation to come back. Dude, we'll do it again. I can't right? wait. Sounds good. All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Look forward to speaking with you on the next episode of the CPG guys podcast. Content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPT Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPT Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.